Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 34 of the Habs Culture podcast. My name is Mark Anthony Bertaggia. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. And after a long time, it's been a long time. I haven't really counted, but it's been a long time. We're back for an episode with all the excuses we may have of <laughs> COVID, traveling, school. We were in exams. We couldn't find time to record, but now we're here. We're excited because the last time we spoke was the hiring of Jeff Gordon, which felt like a long time ago. Um, but we're excited to be back and we're excited to, to put out content for you guys. Yeah, we're very excited. I'm I I'm just happy to be here right now. <laughs> you know, it's been a long time since we've talked about the Habs together. Um, you know, we we send the occasional post to one another. Yeah. Um, but nothing more than that these <laughs> days, especially with how busy we've been. So we're excited to be back. For right now, it should be a steady schedule. We'll we'll see. That will yeah. depend. But for the most part, the content's going to be rolling. Um, yeah. So we're excited to talk. We're excited to give you guys content, and we're excited to give you our opinions on the news that or or the stuff that has transpired over the past few weeks so yeah before we get into all the hockey talk uh happy new year to everyone to you justin to you too hopefully 2022 is uh somewhat better than the past 2021 and 2020 that we've had um but we're not going to get political here (laughs) we hit 5,000 downloads uh a few weeks ago even we put it on instagram we put a little announcement on instagram we're so grateful that we hit 5k downloads was one of our goals uh, as we approached that 5,000 mark. We didn't expect, look, I didn't expect to hit it until this episode came out because there were no episodes out to listen to. Right. But we ended up hitting it, so people went back to listen to some old episodes. And yeah, we're, we're so happy. It's a, it's a pretty good accomplishment considering that we started last year in March. So it hasn't even been a full year yet. Well, there you go. No, we, we really appreciate it. Seriously, guys. Yeah. And um, look, this is something that Mark and I, again, we've talked about this before, but this is something that kind of just came out of the blue. Um, Something that, you know, we were interested in and we just took the idea and ran with it. And, and we're so happy with where it's, where, where we've gotten to and we're happy with what we've done so far. And we're happy with what we're going to continue to produce for you guys. So thank you so much, really. And it, and it means a lot to us, seriously. Yeah. Thanks guys. Uh, We're excited to keep continuing to put out content and look forward. uh, And we look forward for what's to come. So now, we'll get into some hockey talks. I feel like I haven't spoken about hockey in a while. It's been all about exams and COVID. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff Gordon has, is it one win? Seems as as if. Did they win? Like how many games? I feel like they've lost ever since. They won that one game in Pittsburgh, which was his first game. Because I remember tweeting something like, get get him the puck. (laughs) Something stupid like that. Right. I think that's about it, though. Like, let me let, here. I'm on the calendar here. My Mark's favorite thing. Yeah, he's always on the calendar. Um, just so to let you guys know, Mark's Mark's been on the calendar since <laughs> when there's no games. He just he just likes to. 
so yeah, they won. Um, they won one game under Jeff Gordon. Like he only has one win as Habs executive. Um, and I'm saying this as if he can go on the ice and score goals. <laughs> right. It was that game uh, against Philly, three-two with no fans in shootout. Right. So throwback to when shit hit the fan, COVID-wise in Montreal. So that's his first win and his only win. And now we're approaching the trade deadline, which I should have put up the date, but it's in March, right? It is in March. It's in March 22nd. Something you like would that. know better than I would, but around Your that time around, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyways, um, we're approaching that deadline and the Habs, for the first time in a long time, will be sellers. Because under the Bergevin era, sellers wasn't really a term that was like to be used. Like No one liked to use that term. Nope. Because Bergevin was the type of guy who, whenever he had a chance to improve his team, he would. Um, but now it's going to be a hard sell. And we'll start off right away. You had a question to ask the viewers and me. Yep. So we'll get into that right away. And I think this is this will be one of the questions that you know we post. Mm-hmm. We, want, we want to hear <laughs> your feedback seriously on yeah. this one because this one's an important one. I just wanted to ask you if there was one specific move, Mark. And look, it, it doesn't have to be set in stone here. But if there was one move that, that comes into your mind that you believe is necessary for Jeff Gordon to make right off the bat. I know it's been three weeks, mm-hmm. but the trade deadline is coming up. He's got some moves to make, not only not only at the trade deadline, but in the offseason as well. So with all things considered, what's one move, Mark, that you believe and the fans believe that Jeff Gordon should be making in in the coming in in the foreseeable future. Okay, so this is the obvious one. Right. Right, which is Ben Sherratt. Absolutely. And I think that's going to happen no matter what. I think the return is the return he gets is what's going to dictate the rest of the transactions going forward. If he gets a high return, that means he might be able to land some big returns for other guys and it might even open opportunities. Like if he gets a huge return for Ben Sherratt, like a first and a prospect, he might think to himself, "What if I move a guy like Tyler Toffoli?" What can that get me if I just got that for Ben Chirot, right? Right. So that's the obvious one. But I'm going to go a bit off the board here. If there's one that I really want to see, and we've spoken about this before, and I don't know why it's stuck in my head. I think it's because he drafted him. Vitaly Kravstov. If you want to start a rebuild, why not start with a guy like that? Absolutely. Well, start. You're going to be adding him to what you already have. And I don't know if it's going to be at this deadline. Usually it's an off-season type of move. But that's a trade that I want to see happen for the Montreal Canadiens because we haven't had a lot of young talent up front in a long time. Mm-hmm. And this is a way to add Kravstov, Caulfield, Suzuki, and really start from, well, not from scratch, but start from somewhere. Absolutely. And and you know what? I, I wasn't even thinking about that off the top of my head. There's a, there's a few moves that I mm-hmm. would consider, and we can talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah. But I, I really like that move. And I'll tell you why. Because I think that you're absolutely right. They haven't had a lot of talent up front. And I think that this is a player who's individual skill will will benefit him in the long run in terms of look the Habs have had trouble drafting let alone developing players this is a player that's been in the Rangers organization for I'd say almost two years now and he hasn't you know again he hasn't gotten his shot and, and we know that but he's had his chance to go back to Russia play in Russia develop a little bit in Russia he's learned how to play there we've seen the likes of Alexander Romanov play in Russia a guy like Michkov, who's in the upcoming, or not the upcoming draft, in two drafts, yeah. develop in Russia. There's a lot of players that come out of Russia that that really f- flourish in an NHL environment and are very comfortable there. So I think this is a player that you can kind of slot into your lineup, especially a depleted lineup, and actually flourish and do do some damage on a team that has 
little to no expectations. Exactly. He's a six foot three left wing drafted ninth overall. Like, if you can add a guy like that, it's a guy who Gordon drafted. Obviously, I don't know what you're going to have to give up because the Rangers are going in a completely different direction than we are at the moment. But why not have a shot at it, a crack at that trade? I'd like to see it happen. Do I think it's going to happen before the deadline? I'm not sure, right? Because you're, you're selling. Um, but I'd like to see him on the Habs because he's been, he asked for a trade at the beginning of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So we'll see where that goes. But if we get back to planet Earth, because again, yeah. we're going off what we wish would happen. There's Ben Sherratt. Can you name four other players? Or you know what? We'll do it the opposite way. Okay. Five players you'd like to keep, not trade. So are these players? I know I understand what the keep means, but yeah. uh, it's 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 oh, uh. We'll do we'll do it. Like question. Sorry to cut you off. Does yeah. like a Cole Caulfield count? Yeah. Okay. He counts as your five. Um. I won't consider like Jordan Harris. Okay, that's fair. Because that's fair. like. Five players already isn't a lot, right? And like we'll like exclude Jordan Harris, James Struble, like those are obvious. Right, you the guys that them. are kind of like not playing as yeah, like now. NCAA that, that guys. Yeah, I haven't asset. worn a Habs jersey yet. Right. Okay. Fair enough. But like Caden Gooley should be included in this. Oh, okay. Because he wore fine. a Habs jersey. He played. We'll do it like that way. Okay. Sure. So it for for me at least. Yeah. I mean, I have three off right away that I that I could say I could say Cole Caulfield. Mm-hmm. I'm not moving. Alexander yeah. Romanov. I'm not moving. Yeah. And Caden Gooley. I'm not moving. Okay. And Nick Suzuki, I am not moving. Okay, yeah. That's so this four is, right this there. This is the four that, yeah, everyone, yeah. So here's my dilemma now. My dilemma arises from a guy like Brennan Gallagher, who mm. who knows what you could get for a guy like him. I, If I were the GM, again, which is not the case, but if I were, I don't know if I'd be able to move Gallagher even if, if it were for the right price. Yeah. I know that's, you know, fans might not, actually fans would like to hear that because I, I don't think he's a guy that you want to move. A guy like Jonathan Drouin, I think that he's valuable to another team. I think that he could be used for a playoff push for a like you know a top six a top six role. Yeah. Am I missing someone? Because sometimes well, like, there's a bubble player. There's Norlander, right? But again, there's also a guy like Ryan Paling too. You know those guys you put into the well Paling. Look, if there's the I don't think he's gonna be like demanded for. No. But I'd much rather keep Norlander. But we'll include Norlander in the Struble and Harris. Okay, fair enough. You know what I mean. So then, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go here because here here's the here's the route I'm gonna take. Yeah. This is a very young team, a very young team. That look, if if we want to move in the right direction as a franchise, it's going to be with this young core. Okay. So I'm gonna protect here. I'm gonna protect Ryan Paling. Okay. And I know that he might not be in such high demand. He could be used as an asset in a trade. But I'll tell you one thing is that I really like his play when he gets the time in the minutes. Mm-hmm. I think that he's a guy that, you know, might not be a first power play guy, but he, he can maybe slot in on the first power play in the bumper spot yeah. and maybe play a second line role on this Montreal Canadiens team. I like what he's done with Raphael Harvey-Pinard and I like what he's done with Cole Caulfield. Although they're maybe not producing the numbers you want to see, I think that he, it, it's, it's a solid, he's, he's playing very solid 100%. hockey. I like this play. Like it's, yeah. We've complained a lot about him, but I liked the way he's been playing. Again, you're given an opportunity, you better take it. There right? you go. There's no one on this roster. So the four we agree, mm-hmm. Guli, Suzuki, Romanov, Caulfield. Right. Again, there's there's that line where you can't... Do you include the prospect? Do you include a Primo? Because obviously I wouldn't trade Primo, but in this little game we're playing, I'm not going to include him in my five. Mm-hmm. 
even though they should never trade him. He's our next goalie. Right. Um, I'd throw in like a, a more of a veteran guy, like the guy you need to get through this rebuild. Mm-hmm. Josh Anderson. I like, yeah. You know, it's a it's a hefty contract, but there's some that you're gonna have to keep. Absolutely. And if there's a contract that I have to keep in the locker room, it's his over Gallagher's. And people are gonna say, really, his over Gallagher's? Well, one guy has broken hands, the other one doesn't. And it, like. If there's a time to trade, like here's my bold take, I think Gallagher would be traded this before the trade deadline. Mm. So bold, bold prediction. You know, there's a time where his value is gonna decrease significantly, and I think that's gonna be next season, where people really start to realize he's not at the top of his game anymore. And right. like it's normal, injuries. I'm not saying because he's old and he can't skate anymore. Injuries really took a bean out of this guy. Mm-hmm. The way he plays, it's very normal. But if there was a time to trade him, it's now. And even if it's for, like, I'd get rid of him for cheap, knowing that I don't have to retain anything. Do I think he still fetch a first-round pick? Of course. But Gallagher in his prime could fetch a lot more. But right now we're at a spot where if you're not going to trade him this deadline or in the offseason, just keep him. Because then you're trading him for his value is going to be so low and right, you have and to he, retain. And, and it won't be worth it for what he brings to the locker room, exactly, for example. Exactly. Right? So if there's a time to completely wipe the squad i think he's included i think he's the type of guy that you go up to and say where do you want to go you deserve the right to choose Mm -hmm. or at least a little list but yeah i'd keep anderson and the rest is fair play i'm in agreement you know what i look again i was i was struggling with the fit with the fifth player i i I shot out there's so many options you could you could because he's prospect like a right well not prospect but you know what i mean he's still a younger guy younger under 22 years old it's kind of tough to put in that category because obviously you want to keep them if you're rebuilding but so, but then it, it, i agree and then mm-hmm. the, and then there is a case to be made right you made a case for why gallagher might might be on the move and, th- and that's absolutely fair there's also a case to be made why he should stay right yeah, like yeah. there's cases to be made for everyone on this team except for the the, the four guys that we named yeah, there exactly but otherwise i mean like again like you said it's all fair game and i think that this this is again where jeff gordon's expertise and whoever he brings on board as gm whether that's in the near future or not are going to have to make some executive calls and 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 be confident with the moves they make mm-hmm. because you can move a piece that the fan base might not agree with but it might in your mind be the right move for the for the future of this organization. Yeah. So so look, we'll see what happens. But but I I do agree with you that you know a guy like Gallagher could be on the move for the right price and and if we wait too long his value might not even be worth moving anymore. Like if we look at um Ottawa and they made that Carlson trade and you're just like he wanted to stay. He wanted to be a part of that rebuild, but you still moved him. Your captain at the time was a top five player in the league. Right. At one point, he was top three. And they still moved him because maybe they knew that over time, that value was going to decrease so bad that you're just going to have to keep him without moving him. And that's what I'm afraid is going to happen with Gallagher. Like, if a Gallagher can fetch you a craft stuff, I do that trade in an instant. Right. In an instant. But. Who knows who would be interested? Who knows if Gordon would have to retain any salary? That's conversation for another time. But I think that they have to explore every single option, including guys like Gallagher, Petrie, Toffoli, even though it sucks, because even Hoffman, for that matter. Yeah. Like, I like Mike Hoffman, but you're at a point where he's, what, 31, 32 years old? Is he really going to help you in three years? 
like especially at that cap hit. Um, but we'll see what happens. Should we move on? We'll move on to his I, press conference. If you could just give me a sec here, because yeah. I think this is something that we can add. I am not going to be the one to tell you that I did not enjoy every single ounce of that playoff run last yeah. year. We both can agree on that. 100%. But I will admit that it did take a toll and it did affect the offseason that the Montreal Canadiens had. Mm -hmm. They thought that by replacing certain players like a Weber, by bringing in a guy like Hoffman, by you know bringing in a guy like Savard, I'm not going to say that it solved all their problems, but that it would patch the problems yeah. that they had, which would then in turn, which they believe lead to a more successful, if not as successful of a season as last season. Fortunately, that the harsh reality is, is that that's not true. Mm -hmm. But see, I think that that affected, right? Because now, like you just mentioned, like Hoffman is in play. He is in play, but I wonder what, you know, what would have happened if Montreal never made it past the first round, for example. Again, there's so many yeah, what-ifs, so but many, would yeah. they have gone out and signed Hoffman? Who knows? Would they have replaced yeah. Savard? I mean, excuse me, replaced Weber for Savard? Who knows? They might have just said, you know, F it. And we're going to keep the guys that we have and not go out and spend to the cap and see what we can do come the deadline in 2021, 2022. Again, it's so many what ifs. It was just something that was on my mind. Like what that that playoff run changed a lot for this organization going forward. Yeah, there's that stat. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't have it in front of me. But the Habs are because they was asked to Jeff Gordon's press conference. They're the, the first team or not the first, but they're number one in the NHL with players that are signed to more than three years. Like they have the most players signed long-term because over three years is long-term. They have more guys, the most guys in the NHL signed to long-term deals. And they're a team that's going downhill. So not only is that a bad situation, but for Gordon, you got to figure out now how, how are you going to move these contracts without retaining all of them? Because there's some you're going to have to retain. Right. And like it, and there's some that you're going to have to push to not retain maybe take a bit less. Like if you're training Jeff Petrie, try and find a way to not retain. Even if you're not going to get full value out of him, just try and find a way. Because is one season, is a, one bad season Jeff Petrie, you think people are not going to still want him, right? Absolutely not. They'll, they'll look at it as maybe a buy-low situation where Gordon will have to retain some cap. They'll give up the assets. However, they know that they that they can, you know, get a round of uh, like a, a full value yeah. on Jeff Petrie. So we'll see what happens, but in like the way I see this, you gotta just wipe everyone. Oh, absolutely! You we'll just wipe and just everyone's available. Call if you want him, and we'll discuss. And I think that was made very clear by Jeff mm -hmm. Molson. And look, we we for a long time we we've talked about the fact that we do not have a president of hockey operations who can oversee this whole thing. We well well Bergevin was the vice, and Jeff Molson was the president. But mm -hmm. you know, everyone needs to play a role. And when when you have less of a job to do, like if Jeff Molson can just focus on being the owner and not the president of hockey operations, then that takes a lot of pressure off his shoulders. And, th and then you give that to someone else. Yeah. So with that being said, I think that now with these, with roles and, and clearly it was made, it was made clear by Jeff Molson that, okay, look, like now we're going to put other people in charge. You're going to take care of this, but we're going to wipe everything to the point where this is a reset. This is a complete reset. Mm -hmm. So I think, to go along with what you just said, they have to keep that mentality in mind and and go along with it. Yeah. No, no. Or go through with it, excuse me. Yeah, and Gordon said all the right things in his press conference. Um, but obviously, it was like his second day in Montreal. So they were asking him questions that he didn't even have time to evaluate his roster or anything. 
But look, there's going to be changes internally, like with staff-wise and the way they function and the way they they scout, the way they use statistics. He wants to use advanced stats for this team, which is something that I don't think has happened in a long time for the Montreal Canadiens. Nope. I don't think it's probably ever happened. Um, so there's going to be a change. And they're going to hire people that are going to improve this roster within, whether it's development-wise or coaching. So I'm excited for, for that front. But obviously, as fans, we only see the, the transactions. Um, but we'll see what Gordon does at the deadline. Will he have a GM? Probably by the deadline. He like he said in his press conference. Hopefully by uh, like after Christmas. Um, but then COVID hit and right they're complicated doing, a lot. Yeah, they're doing their interviews virtually right now, and we have the list. So we'll get into that. There you go. Of the GM candidates that have been named the most, obviously there might be someone who gets hired in a few weeks that it was hasn't been on our list. We don't know. These are just the names that have been mentioned the most. So I'll go through them, and we'll go one at a time here. Um, some of them we're going to have to Google because I don't know everything about everyone. But we'll start with Ken Hughes, who, off the top of my head, I I know he's a he's an agent. Um, he's a good buddy of Jeff Gordon. But today the news came out, I think it was Friedman or Drieger, one of them, that apparently he likes where he's at. He doesn't want to change his job. Interesting. So he's on this list, but apparently he doesn't want it. Because he hasn't been he hasn't been on the list of interviews. Okay. For this week. Um, just to add on to that, I know that both of his sons go to Northeastern too. Oh, really? They play hockey for the Northeastern team there too. Okay. Um, so I mean, again, doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. But add a little piece of uh, a little nugget of information there. And I'm guessing his kids aren't Jack and Quinn. His his actually one of his sons' name is Jack, but it's not the actual Jack Hughes. Oh, is it the one getting drafted this year? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the the Jack Hughes that just wants to confuse everyone. Right. There it's you that go. One. And the okay. other one, I have no. I'm not too familiar with his name, but okay. And and just to add on to Ken Hughes's resume, I guess he he has a few player, a few big names under contract: Chris Letang, Patches Bergeron, uh, two French players right there actually too, which is kind of interesting to note. Like Anthony Beauvillier as well. Um. So he's he's a high profile agent in this league, and uh, but. But like Mark just said, doesn't seem like he wants to move and he likes where he's at. So mm-hmm. we'll move on. To, we'll move on on the list here. Okay, here's the one I know the least of. Stefan Quintal. He played for the Habs. Uh, he played in the NHL, well, for 16 seasons. And he was VP of player safety in 2014 and to 2016. So we love the safety guys, right? George Paros. George Paros, yeah, there you go. Um, look, we're not going to go too deep into this. I, I don't know. Everyone on this list has never been a GM in the National Hockey League before. And that was a given, knowing that they had to limit this to people who can speak or who are bilingual. So that was a given. Right. Marc Denis is the next on the list. Everyone who listens to RDS while they watch Habs games knows Marc Denis. I like him. I think he knows a lot about this team. You know, he's he travels with them every day or used to before COVID. Um... He played in the National Hockey League. You can tell he has a calm demeanor. He knows what he's talking about. Do I think his first job in the National Hockey League should be general manager of the Montreal Canadiens? I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe he knows everything. But I'd love to see him in a different role with the Habs and then maybe one day get promoted. I could agree with that. But as of right now, I think he got hired by Quebec Hockey for the government mm. for something, if I'm not mistaken. So he can go there. Do what he has to do there, but look, maybe they'll interview him and they see he has an idea that. So at the end of the day, you're interviewing guys to see if they have a different approach than Jeff Gordon and trying to mix both ideas up and come up with the best plan moving forward. Right. Um. But look, we'll see. 
Next is Matthew Darsh. So now we're getting to the guys where they're in the National Hockey League and they have prominent roles. Right. Matthew Darsh, everyone knows, played for the Habs. AGM. But he's also the AGM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And their GM is Petrus Bijbois. We've talked about this before. Yep. We don't have to talk about more. Nope. Right? I, I, I just think that, look, we're, we'll we'll get into more of this list and we'll we'll kind of narrow down like who we believe is the best and who we like the best. Yeah. But I think Matthew Darsh, just to, off the top of my head here, is 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 a solid candidate for mm-hmm. candidate for this job here. Um, again, he has experience in the NHL, like Mark mentioned, and 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 again, he's been part of an organization that has gone back to back. Again, doesn't necessarily mean that he's been the focal point of of that of that run necessarily, but he's played a role and he's had a say. So that's interesting to keep in mind. And on top of that, we know that he speaks French. He's bilingual, so I think that he could he could definitely take possession of that job at one yeah. point. Next is Daniel Briere, who played for the Habs, played for the Rangers, has some sort of connection connection with Jeff Gordon. Look, do I think Jeff's going to choose some guy that he has a connection with? Yes, because he has to work with him every day. Daniel Briere is the GM of... If I'm not mistaken, it's, a, it's an ECHL team. It's an ECHL team, yeah. So he's he's doing some management, some sort of management. Right. Um, obviously, there's a huge gap between the ECHL and the NHL. Absolutely. Especially the Montreal Canadiens. We got to start somewhere. There you go. Um, am I completely against it? I don't know because I don't know what his approach is. Right? You, you can't tell with guys who've never been. The, it's not like we're talking about Jim Rutherford here, or if we're if there's a list of GM candidates and there's Jim Rutherford and um, like Brian Burke or something. Brian, exactly, Brian Burke. Right. Then you can start comparing the trades they made, what their approach is. But here we can't because. They haven't done anything. Right, absolutely. If there's one thing that I'll note about Daniel Breer, again, I, I like, like you, Mark, I don't know very much about him and I don't know much about his management smi- mm-hmm. style, excuse me. But the one thing I will say is that the one thing that impresses me is the fact that, look, he's a guy that's willing to work his way up. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you're working your way up, you take a very cautious approach. You're not necessarily overly aggressive as uh, in, in terms of style. So again, we're not looking for, uh, I say we, sorry, the Montreal Canadiens are not looking <laughs> for a guy who will throw all the chips on on the table and say, I'm all in every single yeah. year. But they're looking for someone that, you know, will like the, the management of their assets will be properly managed and, and there won't be, again, an overly aggressive approach. So I think that Daniel Breer could be a great candidate for the job. Who knows what his style is and who knows what he'll bring to the table. But I think that he's not someone that we should necessarily, you know, X out of the conversation. Yeah, great point. And you say we. Maybe, uh, maybe they'll put us aside or next to uh, Jeff Gordon, Jeff Molson. Who's the other? They brought in Bob Gainey to help in with the process. Maybe they'll throw us next to them. Oh, there you go. And we'll do the interview process. Talking about overly aggressive. <laughs> that, I was going to... Sorry, Mark. <laughs> I was going to bring up that name, but I didn't want to ruffle any feathers here. Talking about overly aggressive, Patrick Roy is the next on our list. You know, if there's one name that I wish was never in this conversation, and I'm saying this, I have nothing against what he did on the ice and... You know, people who, again, I was born, when I was born, he wasn't in the league, right? He, I don't know how, when he retired, but I didn't watch him play. And in 20 years, if Carey Price wants to be the GM of the Habs, obviously I'm going to say, yeah, um, make Price GM because he was my childhood hero. So the people that are 50, 60 years old now maybe listening to this saying, no, Mark, he has to be our GM because he was our hero. He brought us Stanley Cups. If you look at the big picture here, who cares about what he did on the ice? This guy's a maniac. 
Like he's he's nuts. And then they ask him about the job and he says, just let them take a shot at me. What's the worst I can do? Um, Hello? This is the GM of the Habs where you can literally one trade can make we, 10 years of hell. We don't want to know what the worst you can do is, yeah. Patrick. Uh, just give me a shot. Sorry. Let's see, let's see what I can do. Give me a shot. I and and to your point, Mark, I actually got into a little bit of a Twitter argument with someone. <laughs> I'm not going to go into depth on this, <laughs> okay. but basically, what I said is that Tony Manonaro had tweeted something, and and I said, I think for anyone to think that we should be hiring Patrick Wise, the next GM of the Montreal Canadiens, is is foolish to be honest yeah. with you. And and some guy responded to me saying, "Were you even born when he played?" And I said, "Look, <laughs> I don't know what his playing career has to do with his career yeah. as a as a manager, as mm. a GM." And look, again, you can come at me all you want and tell me that. You don't know what this guy's about. You've never seen him play. You've never seen him speak, which is absolutely fair. But I do believe that Patrick Wa as a GM is not the same as Patrick Wa as a player. And I'm going to leave it at that. And he's and, definitely not the same as a coach. There you go. So look, again, we, we have our respective opinions and people might disagree and that's perfectly fine. I just think that the, the point that we're trying to drive home here is that Patrick Wa might be good in a different area. But for him to come out and say that, you know, there's nothing to lose. Take a shot on me. Like the Montreal Canadiens are in a very sensitive position. Yeah, right exactly. They need someone who's going to be able to hold down the fort and not only hold down the fort, but be able to reflect certain questions and, and media attention. And I just think Patrick was the guy, the type of guy, not only to give into it, but, but amplify it and make mm-hmm. it a little bit worse than it already is. So I think, I think he's a, he, it's a no from me, Mark. Yeah. Can, and look, cut, come at us for saying this, but Patrick was on this list because of the media. Maybe, yeah, maybe they want to hear what he has to say. But he's definitely on this list because of the media, because the media loves this guy and promotes it so much, always saying his name. When's the last time a guy has been named so much for two different jobs? When when Claude Julien got fired, the media, Patrick Roy, Patrick Roy, Patrick Roy. Bergevin gets fired, Patrick Roy, Patrick Roy, Patrick Roy. Like, choose one. Why is he going to do both? What if Montembeau is now on the COVID list? Patrick Roy throw him in nets. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you well, Mark, you didn't see him play in '93, so you have no idea. No, I didn't see him play in '93, but you know, this guy right now—if you look at the job he has right now—he's the head coach and general manager of the Quebec Ramparts. You know what that tells me? That doesn't tell me. Wow, this guy could do a lot. He's a very smart hockey man. Maybe he is, but it tells me that he wants no one above him, and he wants. To have control of everything. And and that's a big problem considering yeah. that we both know. And again, we, we only know as much as as social media it like gives us. Mm-hmm. But we do know that Jeff Gordon, as much as he as much as people might think that the GM position has so much authority, this this president of hockey operations position for Jeff Gordon is probably the most important position on the team besides the, the owner right yeah. now. Yeah. So let's keep that in mind <laughs> and let's know what this guy has to offer and let's not bring in someone who will feel like will be upset if he is being micromanaged. Yeah, exactly. We can't have that. And we're talking about the guy who pushed down the separation between both benches in a National Hockey League game because he was mad at the other coach. You remember that in Colorado when he started pushing the glass? Yeah, I well, do like remember Like Torts did. Oh, God. He also anyway. pulled the goalie with seven minutes left. Anyways. <laughs> like, like yeah. I'm just afraid that they hire this guy and then something goes wrong and he makes some ra- rational decision and trades. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And, and personally, Mark, I, I don't think we have to worry too much. I really don't think, and and I really hope I don't eat my words, but I really don't think that that Patrick Wall will end up being the GM of this hockey team. Yeah. But you never know. So caution signs everywhere here. Literally. And we'll move on. Yeah. 
Emily Castonguay. Um, they're our first woman on the list. She's a sports agent, so a lot like Kent Hughes. I, I think she has Lafreniere. Oh, I'm really? saying that on top of my head. Um, I could be completely wrong, but I think it's her who has Lafreniere. Um, look, I, I googled her. She's a sports agent. She works in the sports industry. Obviously, um, if you're a sports agent, you know a lot about negotiations, uh, salary cap, contracts. Um, so look, they're gonna hear what she has to say, which is cool. Um, I cool. like, I like having. Um, I wouldn't mind a sports agent because again, it gives you a different avenue a different perspective altogether right yeah because uh, and and to add on to your comment there mark i think that sports agents also have a a different like you said a different perspective for sure but they look at the game a little bit differently too right because they know that when it comes down to making contracts and making or sorry excuse me signing contracts and making trades you know you know the value there's you know the value of a player for example like a bench rod and you know what the return should be because mm-hmm. if you sign him to a contract, you know that, okay, if he's worth $3.75 million, what's that equivalent in terms of a draft pick or in terms of a prospect? Mm-hmm. And they have to negotiate with other GMs, right? There you go. And just and just to point out, like you mentioned, he do, uh, excuse me, she does have um, uh, Alexis Lafreniere as a client. She does, okay. Um, with, uh, along with Cedric Paquette, uh, Jacob Pelletier, Matthew Joseph, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, and Antoine Roussel. So, okay, so she she has a, a nice list, a lot of uh, French Canadians yeah, there. Yeah, a lot of Quebecers. Um, next on the list is uh, Montreal native Roberto Luongo. Look, I wouldn't mind this. I love Lou. He's working for Hockey Canada a lot. He was uh, did he do the World Juniors last year? Was he the GM of the World Juniors? Now he did. Most recently, he did the World Championship as GM. And I think he was just also he was supposed to be the GM of of uh, Team Canada for. For the Olympics, was it him? But he, but he got removed. Like okay. he stepped down a- okay. after no NHL players were allowed oh, to come. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Um. Okay, and then he's also the AGM of Florida, right? He's he's in a high position with the Panthers. He I is. think, yeah, I th- I think you're right. I think you're right. This guy's doing a lot, but uh, look, I, I wouldn't mind it. But again, experience, right? Experience, connections. The more you've been. <laughs> the more you've, the more experience you've had in 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 a, in a league like this, like the NHL. I think the more it benefits you as a GM in terms of again connections and and contract talks and negotiations in terms of trades. So I I don't think it hurts whatsoever. Yeah, he's a well-spoken man, dresses nice, and I think he knows a lot about the game. If you if you go straight into Hockey Canada, um, I think you obviously know a good amount. You're good at evaluating players, um, and again. He hasn't been a GM, but he's had he's been an assistant. He's been alone with Hockey Canada, and now he'll even have he would have sorry he would he would have Gordon on top of him to make sure everything goes smoothly. You're not throwing a guy who hasn't done anything. Like I'll say Kent Hughes, but he's a, he's an agent or even Emily Castonguay. They're agents, but they've never even managed anything. Um, at least him, Luongo. He did the Hockey Canada. He's with the Panthers. And then he'll have that buffer with um, Jeff Gordon just in case there's need of consultation or whatever. Um, so that's honestly, he's on the top of my list for who I'd want. Do um, you have anything to say or should we move on? I don't have much to say about Lou. Yeah, it's I pretty, think that, it's I straightforward, think, right? Right. I think that, again, like I just mentioned, I think that the experience is definitely gives him an upper 
an upper hand over the other candidates for the job. And I think again, like these aren't just it's not it, it's not just experience in terms of junior hockey, but it's it's a lot of experience in terms of like you said, hockey Canada, um, AGM the Panthers. Like he he has some legitimate experience there, so can't go wrong necessarily with a guy like him, yeah. especially when he'll be working alongside a guy like Jeff Gordon. Exactly. And our last on the list, Danielle Sauvignon. Uh, again, she's a. Uh, she played in the. It's her who played in the National Hockey League. I think she had that one game for Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken. Um, right now, she's considered as a hockey executive, and former coach, and former police officer. So if ever shit goes down in the office, she'll be there. <laughs> but, Perfect. But yeah, she works Hockey Canada. Um, look, she's up there in executive roles. So, yeah, who knows? She might come here with a different approach, and um, and they'll like it. So, look, the options are there for the Habs. Um, they fit. They fit the the bilingual standard, right? The mold. The mold. So uh, we'll see where they go from there. Obviously, in a week or two, we'll have the shortened list. And, uh, and yeah, then we'll talk about it again and see where it goes. Um, we'll move on from this because cause I feel like um, I feel like we've been talking about this for, for a long time now and it's just names that are... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, sorry, it's been a while. <laughs> sorry, we just pulled up the Habs um, lineup. Okay, this lineup. Well, yeah, we'll move on from the GMs. We're, we're honestly laughing at the lineup that we just saw. This lineup is worse. It's worse than 2012. Like Mark Bergeron inherited a garbage team. This one's worse. This one's worse. And remember, we we're talking about Gallagher and whatever. Harvey Pinard, by the way, is our next Gallagher. I really like him yeah. a lot. Like, and, and honestly, I like his. I like the fact that he's a little bit like he's very skilled too. Like, it's not just grit. Yeah, it's skill as well. Yeah. yeah. Um. So let, let me let's read out these lines. Should we compare 2012? I feel like we should. Let's do it. Since we're bashing a 2012 team. 2012. Habs. Because. And again, this 2012 Habs didn't have COVID. So let's put that right, in. They right. didn't have COVID. They didn't which, have, is, which is even more sad. It's even exactly. I'll put out the roster here. What is this website? It's just ridiculous to me, like the COVID protocols. That I mean, not no. The COVID protocols are not ridiculous <laughs> to me. It's the it's the fact that the amount of players that have entered this protocol in the past in the past you know give or take two two and a half three weeks. It's been insane. You wake up every day to new players. It's crazy how many the Habs have in protocol. 20. 20 players in protocol. Why is it so hard to find this this roster? Which one? The, the newest one? No, the uh, 2012. I remember you had it at one point. Yeah, a few, I had it like on, a while ago. Yeah. I had it. Oh, you know what? I do have it on my phone somewhere, I think. Let's see. I think I sent it to you. Yeah, you did. Back. Well, we actually brought it up on the podcast once, so let's see here. But I think I think this roster might be worse. I think this roster could be worse. Yeah, we should have prepared this beforehand, but it was kind of out of the blue, right? That we're comparing these rosters. 
Um, and obviously, I can't find it. Well, um, anyway, we could just look at yeah, this one. Yeah, we'll just look at this one. Right. Um, so the first line, right now, this is this is thanks to Daily Faceoff. So the first line that they have is drawing Suzuki Islanen. So Islanen went from top six in Laval to our franchise centerman. Nothing against Islanen. Uh, I like the kid. Um, I think he can play a good bottom six role in the future. Who knows? Right. Maybe he's going to be that up and down kind of guy. Like up and down, I mean by AHL, NHL. Right. Um, so yeah, he he has a he has a great opportunity right now to play with uh, Suzuki and Drouin. Again, Drouin, in my opinion, should be racking up assists and right. He should be dominant on the ice. Is it just me who feels that way? No, I agree with you. I agree with you, but I think you also do have to take yeah take in the fact that. Look, he's playing on a good line, and that's, I mean, a good line as in Suzuki and Islanden as a nice, I guess, addition. But look, the team as a whole, like, like we're going to go through it, but it's very much depleted. And when the roster is depleted, you can only do so much, per se, on the power play at yeah. five on five. Like, you're not, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I, I'd like to see his play be a little bit more dominant, but I don't necessarily expect him to be on the score sheet yeah, more than he I is. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the statistics I don't really care about. It's more the fact that, and look, again, he's going up against the best lines in the NHL. Right. But I just want to see, you know, there's there should be no stress. You know, go out there and make a few dangles because he's and, good at it. Right. And and you know what, Mark? And, and again, I'm going to bring this up because we've talked about it so much is the fact that we've never seen an, a Habs roster play stress-free. Because yeah. there's always been such a heavy weight on their shoulders to perform, whether it was, you know, to be the last playoff spot or to or to perform in the playoffs. You know, there's, again, I, I agree, you need to perform in the playoffs. But the point that I'm trying to make is that there's never been a period in time where the Montreal Canadiens have, or, or where the management has said, look, you guys have, are a depleted roster. You guys have zero expectations. Go out there and have some fun. But now it seems like that's yeah. the case, right? There's How could there be any expectations with this team? Please tell me that there are. Yeah, none. there shouldn't. But it's again the players. We feel for the play. Oh, I feel for the players at least, because um, they're not winning. But at the end of the day, we want to see them lose. We want We want to see. Look, I want to see them stay competitive. That's one thing that I've always that I've been saying recently mm-hmm. is: look, if they lose, okay, no problem. Exactly. But if they can, you know, lose a game four three, or lose a game three two, yeah, and at least stay in that game with with a couple of young players getting on the score sheet and, and making some nice plays like I'll be I'll be perfectly fine exactly. with that because a nice Shane Wright waiting for uh, for the Habs anyways the second <laughs> line Ryan Palin Cole Caulfield and Raphael Harvey Pinard. it's a nice line I like it yeah I don't mind it I think it could I think it could do some damage in the future and I was gonna actually tweet about it but I do think that a lot like I like Caulfield's scoring ability I mean look uh, Take that with a grain of salt right now, but I think yeah. uh, going forward, right? Mm-hmm. I like Paling's ability as a as a bigger centerman to set up plays and win some key faceoffs, and I like Raphael Harvey Pinard's aggressiveness and and you know ability to get in the corners and not and not be scared. So I think that those three complement each other very well. I think that that could be a line maybe going forward in the near future where we see them, you know, hopefully stick together. But as of right now, I don't mind it whatsoever. Exactly, I agree. And uh, in the third line. Lucas Vedemo, Cedric Paquette, and Alex Belzil. I don't think there's any. That's the just scoring a, power on that line is ridiculous. Oh yeah. yeah, and the speed. Um, <laughs> and the lot, the the fourth line is consisted of two players because there's no center because the whole roster is so depleted. So Nick Suzuki's playing like 25, maybe even closer to yeah. 30 minutes a game. It's Michael Pozzetta 
Habs legend, by the way, who was called up before all this. I love COVID. that guy. He's been there. His hair. Yeah, he and luscious a, and a stash. What a <laughs> what a guy. With he's he's with number eighty eight, Cameron Hillis. So Cam Hillis, not only got called up, but he got called up from the ECHL. He skipped a whole level of hockey, and made it to the Habs roster to play his first NHL game. And what he was on PP one. He was on PP one. <laughs> he was last game the only against Florida. I'm surprised because Trevor Timmons loves that guy, but Trevor Timmons is yeah. no longer with the organization. Right. Um. But yeah, wearing number eighty eight. Yeah, like you know, it's nice to see. Now. Yeah, it's nice to see an eighty-eight on the Habs. The last person who wore it was Suzuki, actually. Oh remember my god, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, preseason. Wow. Um, then he took Plucky's number. Then defense, you got Kulak, Savard, great first pairing. That would have beat Tampa Bay any day of the week. Uh, Niku Clegg and Shuneman, Corey Shuneman from. <laughs> I actually like the way he's been playing. <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, <laughs> he's he's uh. He's he's a bigger guy. He's a bigger guy. He's playing some solid some solid hockey on that third pairing. Not much responsibility, but um, yeah, stepping up again. Called up. Look, there. Well, Mark takes a little breather over there. Um, <laughs> there has been a lot of responsibility for some of these players, and again, it's nerve wracking when you're coming, for example, from you know Cam Hill is coming from the ECHL. Shoot him in. Um, some of these guys, like they they ha- they're they're nervous. They they haven't played an NHL game, and they have, and they feel like you know this is their time to shine. But I think that they've all done again. They've all done a relatively good job of staying competitive and keeping the game alive. Again, I'm just gonna add one more thing here against mm-hmm. the Panthers. I don't know if you watched that game again. Yeah, did, to yeah. me, I've been kind of on and off with these games, mm-hmm. especially with no players in the lineup. But yeah. that first period was very very yeah. strong from that Habs team. Yeah, and, and then, oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go no, ahead. no, continue, continue. I was just gonna say, I, I just think that like. Again, with zero expectations, and to me, I was I was expecting okay, this you know like I'm just gonna watch this game just because I just want to see some of these younger guys. But they actually looked good, and again, they didn't put a full 60 minutes together, which we struggled to do for so long. But again, when you have 11 forwards and five defensemen, putting 60 minutes together is hard. Let alone with the players that you have on your roster. So I really did like that first period. I think that there's, I I don't know, I I want you to chime in here, but. I just want to I want to say that I think I like these young guys and I like the fact that they're getting some playing time considering that there's not much there's no one else. Mm-hmm. I just I've never seen so many uh solo laps in the warm up. <laughs> Since every game there's this new solo lap. And like you said with these opportunities I'm going to focus more on the defensemen because like if we look at Sammy Nico and Kel Clegg those are guys that we want to see in the lineup when they were full roster. Right. But they would get what 7 to 10 minutes a night, which isn't enough at all. Which is enough to see what they can do. Now we're clearly able to see, and it's too bad, Niku. Like he's good offensively, he takes risks here and there, but defensively he's just—it's too bad. And look, if he was good defensively, he wouldn't be on the Habs. Right. Let's be real; he would have stayed in Winnipeg. Um. And I think honestly, it's one or the other for him or Clay moving forward. Look, personally, I'm I'm a unless bigger they fan rebuild, obviously. I like Clegg. Yeah. I like Kel Clegg. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I didn't know that was his first goal. In the NHL, yeah. Because I actually, funny enough, had him on one of my fantasy teams while he because he was quarterbacking the power play in, 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 in LA. LA. Yeah. And, you know, playing alongside Kopitar. I mean, on the power play, I'm talking about mm-hmm. Kopitar, Kempe, um, Dustin Brown, so on and so forth. Yeah. I mean, he had ample opportunity. He had a few assists, a few power play assists, but yeah. no goals. But again, I think that, look, Montreal has been in need of someone who can move the puck has been in need of someone not only can move the puck, but move the puck confidently. And I think that, look, it's a, it's, they 
They claimed him off waivers. It, there was zero risk involved in this move. Yeah. But I think that who knows what he can end up being. Yeah, this is your time to Prove go out yourself. there. And if you make mistakes, okay, try not to make it again. There you go. You learn from it. And and if there's one, sorry to cut you off here, but if, if there's one player that I've been overly, overly, I guess you could say excited about his defensive play has been Alexander Romanov. I mean, yeah, that, guy, that guy went from being stuck in his own zone for two minutes at a time every single game last mm-hmm. season to now being like able to get the puck out of the zone and make the, the right first pass. And, and I love that because I feel like he, we talked about this so many times that he's been playing scared. And I think that he knows what his role is on this team. He's found his role on this team. And I think now he's going to take that and move forward with that and, and actually flourish as a defensive defenseman in this league. Yeah, that's the one player that really sucks in the COVID list yeah. because he was getting like 27 minutes a night. Well, there you go. Yeah, he was like given opportunity. blocking, yeah, yeah. shooting even. Grabbing players. Patrick uh, Maroon. I wish he flipped him. Yeah. I don't he know. It was him a off the very ground. odd situation. <laughs> he couldn't get him off the ground. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, this roster is very depleted. There's a lot of names that maybe people don't recognize. Um, but it's part of the process. In the future, who knows? how it's going to look. But these are the type of guys where you look at them now, you see how they can play, and it's already an early evaluation of how they can play in the National Hockey League. Right. Um, and then they'll come back next training camp, and and we'll see where, where this team goes. Um, their goalies we haven't mentioned, right now it's just McNiven. <laughs> like there's literally no it's one else. It's just him? Wow. Because Montembeau just got put on COVID. Really? Wow. Okay. So there's literally no one else. That's insane. Unless they call him David Ayers. Or Patrick Roy. But it's well, just you, McNiven. Well, you didn't see him play in 93, so... So, yeah, maybe, maybe he he's not good enough. He could maybe take over. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to see McNiven play. Montembeau, I feel bad for him, the poor guy. He gets he gets left out to dry, like, like for the 45 one time, shots. The one time he plays good. You know, when he, at the start of the season, they threw him in, and, like, he was like, eh. You know, against right. Buffalo, right, that right, game, right. the second game of the season? It's like, ah. Eh. Now he goes in there against Tampa, and he really plays well, but you're not going to beat that team. No. They have Corey Perry. Oh god, that guy that guy haunts me in my dreams yeah. at this point. This guy's been all over the score sheet. Um one other thing that I wanted to mention is that because we've been a team over the pa- or the over the course of the last few years that has not been like has never really tanked, right? We've always been semi-competitive. Yeah. They've never really given the chance to young players to to play. Like again, stress-free. So it's kind of nice to see like look, like we know that we're going in the direction of a tank, but even more than that, we don't even like People, players, young players need to step up and need to be called up. Like there, there's no other solution. They have to be called up. So it's nice to see the fact that, okay, we have no choice but to bring in a guy like Cam Hillis. We have no choice but to bring in a guy like Corey Schooneman. Like these guys need to be on the roster because there's no one else. So it's nice that now because they have to be there, yeah. they get their chance. <laughs> you know what my biggest fear is? Or oh, I saw this. Like I, I, I think everyone's biggest fear, but I'm afraid of it also. Like, what if they, after this season, evaluate the coaching staff and they say, you know what, let's give them one more chance because look at the team they had. He needs to go through a whole other season of Ducharme. That is that is very scary. Very, very, like, very scary. Imagine. Like, and Alex Burrows. Oh, it's true. He's still there. And that and Ducharme's buddy who doesn't talk. <laughs> I don't know who that is. He just put on COVID. I don't know who that is. He just put on COVID. Uh, I think he's the he's the new Kirk Muller. But he just put on on COVID. Um, on the protocol list. But yeah, look, who knows what's going to happen in the offseason? It's a long ways away. 
we'll go to some NHL news now because there's so much we could talk about about the Habs, right? Like, it's crazy. It, it, I again, I'm not gonna go into this. Like, it's just crazy, Mark. Like, we watched a few playoff games last year. Yeah, it's crazy how like when we started this podcast back in March, the Habs were terrible. We're winning mm-hmm. games. We were complaining about the fact that they weren't showing up against Calgary, <laughs> against uh, against the Sens. Yeah. Then they have this playoff run where we're filled with joy. We're so happy. And now we're... I, I think this is a new low. We're a joke in the league. Basically. Like I was on TikTok and I was like scrolling through and I saw like the best summer of my life. And they're like outside the bus center waving flags, picking up traffic cones and whatever. And I'm like, it's true. That really did happen. Like it really did happen. Like they were in the Stanley Cup finals. They were three wins away. Like... A few days ago, I was really bored, um, and I rewatched because it literally made my week. I rewatched the Habs game six against the Leafs. I didn't watch the whole game. I just watched Mitch Marner flip the puck over the glass and then the power play. Right. Um, and then KK's overtime goal. Then I watched game seven again, the highlights, and then I watched Steve Dangle's reaction to the Mitch Marner puck over the glass right. and whatever things I just said. And it's just like. That was just the tip of the iceberg. Right. Beating Toronto. They went on to beat like Winnipeg was a joke. In four, too. Yeah. That was a that was literally it, the Jets play like a practice team. They beat the Jets. No one remembers. No one really okay, they did that. They scored all those overtime goals. Remember how bad they were in overtime? Like they were we would sit here and we would cry. We'd be like, we've got all these overtime points that they're giving up. Because they because they were putting out yeah. Dano and Byron to start OT. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you want to tell you? Um, yeah, exactly. And then they fired Julian. We're like, yeah, maybe we're going to get Suzuki on in overtime. Nope. Not with Dano. And he promised us some offensive, yeah. an offensive play style. Oh, my God. But he would continuously sit back with one goal lead. Whatever. It's hilarious, Mark. I I, I love it, though. Like, Oh, yeah? sorry to cut you off. But I saw something on Twitter from Habs Chronicle. It literally went through... Like on New Year's Day, they posted, let's go through a whole year of Habs recap. And I'll read you a few. It's pretty crazy. So they started off with uh, Corey Perry being put on waivers. Do you remember? I don't even like it's been so long. Remember they like now that I read it, I remember they put him on waivers. Right. No one claimed him. Then he had to go through. He was a healthy scratch and he finally got put in the lineup and they realized, oh, my God, he's so good on the power play. Anyways. Then, the Habs finally win the reverse retro jerseys. Remember, that was a thing. But Cole Julian got fired. And then Shewar played his 1,000th game. Jonathan Jouin leaves. John Merrill. That, I don't know why that's there. Just John Merrill is there. <laughs> it just says John Merrill. <laughs> then the three, it was 3-1. Caulfield wins the Hobie Baker. Even though that was before, it was 3-1. Right. I don't know why they put it after. Then Caulfield signs, whatever. Um, back fans back at the Bell Center against Vegas. Was it Vegas? Yeah. No, it was no Toronto. It was, Toronto. It was, earlier it was game seven. Toronto, Toronto yeah. yeah. Habs beat the Leafs. Dano eats pizza. <laughs> Shifley, whatever. Habs sweep. Petrie's red eyes. Ducharme gets COVID. Richardson comes in. They go into Vegas. They beat Vegas. Go into overtime. The bloody Gallagher's bloody face, and then. They lose to the Habs, then it continues. They lose to the lead, uh, to the Lightning, continues on with the whole offseason. I'm not going to continue because right. I don't feel like reading anymore. They lose to Noah Tatar anyways. But man, and they forgot some things. Like, this is Habs Chronicle, by the way, on Twitter. Go check them out. They're actually really good. I like Habs um, 
but they even missed out on some things. But that's just the the mess. And it continues on. They fire their general manager. Like they went from all that to Stanley Cup Finals, GM, getting fired, coaches getting fired. This team is the definition jerseys. of the Kardashians. I swear. <laughs> In hockey, I swear. There's too There's much. There's always something. Like, stop. I used to love it, but now stop, man. <laughs> it's like, can we just get like, you know what? Like, sometimes I wish I were, no, not wish I were a fan, but I wish I were like a fan of a team like San Jose. Yeah. Like. Nothing happens. Not like. Anaheim. You're just a fan of the team. You you watch the games. You yeah. show up. Like, there's not, there's no one ever saying like, Logan Kutzer, like, you know, rumors about Logan yeah. Kutzer. Like, no. On a daily like, basis. I know. <laughs> I know. It's every That's why the players don't come here to play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a roller coaster of a year. But again, I mean, gives us some content. <laughs> gives us some content. Um, now, look, we're getting towards the hour mark. Um, we've been all over the place. And honestly, I'm not surprised because it's been so long since we've done this. I kind of forgot how to speak into a mic. But let we'll alone go over stay s- serious. Literally, let alone stay serious. for no reason. Um, we've had like no human connection. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen Mark in a really literally. long time. Except um, at the mall. I saw you at the mall. Oh yeah, at the mall. Um, I work at the mall. So I won't reveal where he works. So. Yeah, I don't want to get the, the he doesn't crazy want the paparazzi. The crazy fans, right? <laughs> yeah. Crazy fans come see half of Hab's culture. Uh, <laughs> Are you the voice? <laughs> Are you the voice? Maybe they'll recognize the voice. Um, we'll go into some NHL news today. Blockbuster trade. Um, Alex Nylander, Williams' brother, was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't know why he never played. You know what? what's gonna happen now? He's gonna go to the Penguins, play with Crosby. He's gonna be the next Connor Sheary. Right. He's gonna be OP. Then everyone in fantasy is going to be like, yeah, I got Neil under a cheap price, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I like Alex Neander. I remember I watched him live at the World Juniors yeah. when he was at the Bell Center Yeah, for Sweden. He was he, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty skilled hockey player. Yeah, yeah, he's good. And I mean, again, for Sam, I don't want to butcher this last name, but Lafferty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like, Sam Lafferty, yeah. I mean, that's that's a gamble I'm willing yeah. to take. Um, so that happened. Then, what was it, a week ago, the World Juniors got canceled? Just about. Yeah. Which sucks for the it players. Do- like it, it, it sucks for sorry to cut you off. It yeah, sucks no. for like the like the Czech players, the, the German players. Austria, was Austria there? The Austrian players, yeah. yeah. Like those guys, like like was it Dreger who said it? I think no, it was uh, Ferraro. Ferraro. Yeah, it was on. It was, it was on live air, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the biggest tournament of their lives. And on top of that, I mean, like, look, like. Like you, like you were just mentioning, like they don't get any coverage outside of this, yeah. right? Because like once they come to North America to play in the World Juniors, like especially, especially Canada, US, like are all over this in terms of coverage. Mm-hmm. You get to see some players, you know, like for example, like a Brad Lambert from Finland, or or a, like like a Jan Misak, Misak, like yeah. like these players again, like outside of being scouted, don't get very much coverage. So. And and on top of that, a lot of these players that play for the teams that you just mentioned are very are younger than the average team. Like Canada's average age is probably around seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. But a lot, or even I think you could play at. Can you play at nineteen years old? No. Uh, it's an under twenty tournament, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but I think it's all it depends on the year. Right. It, it depends birth. on something. Yeah. But anyway, all I'm going to say is that I saw a lot of players on a team like, for example, Austria. A lot of sixteen-year-olds. Again, yeah. like these are young kids that are going out to prove themselves, put themselves on a bigger stage, and and were able to play one game where maybe got absolutely flattened by Canada, <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks for them. Yeah. And, what are you uh, gonna do? So that tournament taught us, I think, one thing. Um, Connor Bedard's kind of good at hockey. He's you know okay. what though? I, I I'm not a fan of his play at all. To be honest, I think he's very criminally overrated, <laughs> and he's not very good at anything. Like you know what you with your little fishbowl like 
Go play for someone else. <laughs> oh, he's an he's insane. He's so good. He's really good. And and again, I like I like the fact that he's very skilled. Again, look, I know that the NHL is moving towards a more like a, a fast, skilled kind yeah. of game. But I think that I don't know. I think he's just above a lot of other like he's just levels above other players. Like everyone's good on that team. Like everyone's good. Right. Like Mason McTavish is really good at hockey. But then he even Connor Bedard goes back to the WHL. Scored four, I think. Four goals, and yeah. he's like absolutely embarrassing kids at 16 years old. <laughs> it's like, insane. I wish my name was Connor. Maybe we would have been a bit better at hockey. Seriously, it's you insane. I mean? And even, uh, I mean, we can also look at a player like, uh, forget the first name, but Mishkov. I mentioned him before. Yeah, Mishkov. Yeah. Anyway, that that kid's also phenomenal. Yeah. The issue with him now, he signed long-term in the KHL. Did yeah. he really? Yeah. So if you draft him... That can't be too good. Not this draft, the one after. If you draft him at what, second overall, even first overall, because some people are saying... He's better than Bedard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to wait, I think, till it's like a, um, like a three-year thing. I think you right. have to wait because, like, now it's uh, maybe it's a five-year deal, and by the time he gets drafted, it becomes you know three years. That's interesting. Um, you know what? Let me let me. Check. I actually had no idea about. Yeah, that, he though. signed long term, so you're gonna have to wait. It's a lot like Kaprizov, but Kaprizov right. signed after he was drafted. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we we have to keep in mind that a lot of these Russian players. Like, we've talked about it. I mean, I don't know if we've ever talked about it. But, for example, like, for the longest time, Kucherov's drive, for example... Five years. Five years. Yeah. So, he signed a five-year contract. Signed a five-year contract. So, it's until 2025-2026. But, see, I think I think for a guy like Mishkov or, like, uh, these other Russian players who have experience in the KHL, like, for them... It, the KHL is their NHL... Is our NHL. Mm. Like, it's, it's, it's still a massive stage for them. Like... To them, North being in playing in North America doesn't necessarily mean very much to them. Yeah, you have to keep that in mind. I'd still draft him though. I wouldn't draft him over Bedard. I'd still draft him though, because by the time he comes back from the KHL, if he does, that's the risk. He'll be in his prime. Right. Say like Kaprizov. It's interesting, though. but that's it's a, a risk because if he wants to come, you know how the Russians are. Yeah. What if he doesn't want to come? Yeah. The he Russians after to. five years, he might they might drag him, him in there. again. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, and 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 offer him a lot of money. And again, we know that Kaprizov. Could have very easily stayed in Russia. Would do we think he actually would have? Probably not, because mm-hmm. it seemed like he wanted to play for the Wild. But yeah. what stops him from signing a contract in the KHL and never returning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Literally. but that was a later pick, so it was less of a risk. But this, you're going second overall. Absolutely, but but keep in mind that Kaprizov did have a full season under his belt as a Minnesota as a Wild, and he was their best player by far. Yeah. Like imagine just losing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for no reason. Yeah, it's a risk, but. Some I think are willing to take. Yeah, I think it was like 15 minutes after the World Juniors cancellation tweet. He signed it? No. Oh. No, that was like before the oh, World okay, Juniors. Okay. Yeah. Um, the news, the OHL tweeted their news about Logan Mayu, who got reinstated, so he can play again. I've, I don't... I've seen a lot of backlash in yeah. my Twitter days. That was a lot of it. They got a lot... like Because you know, they tried to slide it under the rug. Right. Because the World Juniors tweeted, and everyone was talking about World Juniors, and they tried to slide that in. Anyways, we're mentioning this because he's part of the Habs organization and he he could play now. So we'll see what he does and we'll see what um, Jeff Gordon decides to do with him. On to other news, the Olympics. That's still happening. As of now, as of right now, it's still happening. There's no NHL players playing in the hockey section of the Olympics. But there is a list of um, of potential candidates to play for this team. Darren Jagger tweeted um, a few days ago, or yesterday actually. Yep. Uh, the list includes Mason McTavish, who played on Team Canada for the World Juniors. Owen Power, who also played, 
who looked like an absolute Phenomenal. powerhouse. Yeah. Sorry for the, his name's Power. Oh. I didn't mean to do that. You're punny. My, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Devin Dubnik, Habs legend. I think Cole Perfetti as well. Cole Perfetti's there, but he's on this tweet. Oh, okay. Uh, Edward Pasquale. Not too familiar. Never heard of that name. No. And my, yeah. Tyler Witherspoon, again, never heard of him. Adam Cracknell, I've heard of. Um, and then there was an extended list with Caden Gooley. Love that guy. Wow, do I love that guy. Yeah, Perfetti. Um, Eric Stahl apparently told his agent to get me on that team. There you go, Stahlzy. Um, I'm, I think Claude Julien is their coach, so I'm sure Jordan Wheel will be on that team on the first power play. <laughs> probably unit. first power play. Probably, probably the, 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 the captain. And the puck will run through Jordan Wheel. Yeah. Like, the game will run through Jordan He's Wheel. He's elite. Him, Stahl. What about Nick Cousins? Maybe he's, he's on Nashville. I know, but maybe get out of Nashville. Go play for that team. Power play one. What are you talking about? You're true. Mark? You know, honestly, that's true. I'd, I'd void my contract just to go play with Big Claude. <laughs> and, and, and Wheel. And Wheel. And Stahl. That'd be a crazy line. Wow. Look at that. Elite. Imagine. Well, Stahl didn't play on their Claude. I know, but. It's just Habs legends altogether. Then with Dubnik and Nets. Oh, my God. Oh, my Go- God. Ghoulie as the, it be the future, the past, and the present altogether. <laughs> with Claude behind the bench, it'd be perfect. <laughs> I don't know if Wright. I doubt Wright would be there, right? I think he w- I think he was, uh, he might play. I Why heard not? Something Give about him a chance. That. I hope he like lights it up. Takes over. Like yeah. I want to see, because he didn't do very much of that. I know, again, yeah. small sample size, but still like. But Cole Caulfield didn't do it either. He had two years of World Juniors. He played absolute garbage. Um, right, right. What's his name? Askarov. You know that, like, again, that's one guy. That guy who scares lo- me. He looks garbage in the World Juniors, but I think he's still a very good goalie. Like his numbers in the KHL make no sense how good they are. Really? Like, yeah. It literally makes no sense. Like, last year, his numbers were phenomenal. And he's playing with men. Right? Like, he's playing with, like... Like, what? He's, he's playing with, like... Pros. Like, right. Datsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Anyways, move on from that. <laughs> um, and Devin Levi, who was on our podcast, was on the list also, the extended list. That's insane. It's That's crazy. cool. He his, his numbers in the, at Northeastern are incredible yeah. as well. Like it's a good hockey team though, Northeastern. They're very good. Yeah, they're very good. I think they're I think they're now considered in the top fifteen in the nation now. Really? Yeah, they're they're uh, very solid up and down. So yeah, that's our talk about the Olympics and our last. We have a little list. Um, I don't remember the last time we wrote a list to no. talk about. Usually stuff. we just usually I mean, we just oh. as you could see that a lot of the time we're just all over the place. Yeah. But, um, but we actually made a list this time because um, we haven't done this in a while. Yeah. And we want to make sure we covered everything. Um, we did skip one thing that I'll get back to before we end it off. Um, but the Canucks turnaround, what a nice little story that is. Bruce, there it is. Yeah. I went to, when they came to Montreal, I went to watch them at the Bell Center. Okay. Well, I went to watch them. I went to watch the Habs, <laughs> but the Canucks were there also. Um, oh, there was a game going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, some guy had a sign Man right on. across from me. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> sorry inside joke anyways there was a guy right across from me who <laughs> who had a sign that said um fire um who was our gm um not travis green travis green was the coach and then their gm was um oh, like i have his face in my head yeah gm the canucks jim benning right there Oh, yeah, I searched up GM of the Canucks with Jim Rutherford. Yeah, I was about to... Yeah, it was Jim Benning. Um, They said fire Benning. So everyone brings that to every arena. They finally did it. They fired Benning. They fired Travis Green. They bring in 
Bruce Boudreaux. Bruce, there it is. They bring in Jimmy Rutherford. Hall of Famer. How's this guy in the Hall of Fame before he even retired? Anyways. No way. I didn't even know that. He was inducted last year. What the hell? Like, but maybe as a player. No, he never played in the National Oh, League. so I I didn't even... Like, I have no idea. He, he got into the Hall of Fame as an executive. That was this title. That's very it's interesting. It's like Gary Bettman's in the Hall of Fame. How? Exactly. <laughs> How is that a thing? Yeah, Wait till he retires or yeah, he that, leaves. That makes very little sense. Like, whatever. And now they're they're literally OP of this team. This team's playing very well. Good for them. Okay, hold on though, Mark. I, this is not a this is not a we're not gonna disagree on this, but let's be honest here. Like they're playing well. They are, but yeah. we know like we know that under a new coach, teams tend to step up their game a little bit. Except for the Habs. Well, but even <laughs> the Habs for the first well, they didn't Yeah, I don't know. But like let's let's give it some time. It's only been what? Yeah. What are they seven zero and one or eight zero and one or something like that? Yeah, but also their pl- their players are actually playing better. But they Bruce are. Is no, very I'm offensive. not disagreeing with yeah. you. I'm just I'm just thinking like let like this has to come back down to earth a little bit. I say they make the playoffs. Sure. Yeah. They have a twelve percent chance right now, from what I read. Okay. It went from a one percent chance to a twelve percent chance wow. in that span, which is insane. Wow. And but but and I and I could agree with you there that mm-hmm. they might that they have a chance to make the playoffs, but I but I do think we have to like expect some yeah, losses yeah. at one no, point. No, for sure, for but sure. But again, we have to keep in mind that like Thatcher Demko is an amazing goalie. Yeah, they have like see to me it never really made sense why they were bad because their mm-hmm. offensive core like when you have J T Miller, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, am I missing someone like one of those big names? I feel like I am on offense. Yeah, why am I missing? I, or well, I know they have Quinn Hughes on D. Like look, like, they're a good hockey team. You're not missing anyone. Niels Hoglander, like mm. Pod Colson, they're a good hockey team. Yeah, it never really, Colson, made, yeah. it never really made sense to me that they were losing games and not scoring any goals. Their expected goals per game was down an insane amount, yeah. getting zero chances. Anyway, I, I, I think that it might come down to earth a little bit, like I said, but I do think that good the, for them. Yeah, they're turning the right direction, especially with a new GM. Well, they need a GM, actually. Um, Jimmy Rutherford's there. Prez? President Falcon. They kind of copied the Habs, but whatever. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. We're, we're role models in this league, apparently. We're the kings of the north. <laughs> Anyways, before we end this off, um, today the news came out that Chantal Maccabé of RDS became the VP of communications. So they, she took Paul Wilson's role. You mean the legend? <laughs> the legend Paul Wilson. She took his role, which is good because... Um, she, she's credible. Yeah, she's very credible. She has a lot of good information, a lot of good contacts. And the Canadians need to fix the way they communicate with the media and the fans. Absolutely, they do. Enough of this uh, uh, no comment. And then Bergevin comes out there and says, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he trades the whole roster. You know what I mean? Like, right. And and I think it's important that they hired someone who has experience on the other side of things. Yeah. That, therefore, like, she'll be able to, like, she'll know, like, look, like, this comment does not slide. Yeah. You cannot say that or you can say this. And that way, again, like you said, the communication will be there. And hopefully it will get a lot of the media's attention off the backs of certain players and whatnot because they'll they'll know, like, look, she'll be like, look, like, listen, you can say this, you cannot say this, mm-hmm. therefore leave these players alone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Listen, Jordan, you can't say your hand isn't the same as it's been when you got right, drafted. because you now your say that. trade value is exactly. pl- has you plummeted. You can't say that. But absolutely. I think, I, look, I think I see everyone on, on t- uh, TikTok, no, on Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, ha- um, rare Habs W, Habs W, yeah, uh, just like also, they said for Kilclake. And just like they said for Joel Armia's contract, but that's a different story. Or sorry, Yoel Armia's <laughs> What a contract. garbage contract that is. That's, that needs to get moved ASAP, along with Paul Byron. The next game for the Habs. Stop. <laughs> you have your calendar? I have my calendar wide open, but I'm in the wrong the wrong month. I'm in December. Uh, the next game, because act, all activities were postponed until... I think for a week, if sixth. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so tomorrow. Right. 
Their next game, uh, all of them are... Oh, it's in Chicago, the 13th, if that makes sense. Unless games were moved this week. But right now, what I see in front of my eyes is Chicago. Um, Bull predictions? Oh, God, Mark. By the way, a lot of players are going to be back from COVID right. protocol by then. So We just don't know. So don't ones. say Cam Hillis will score a hatch because he won't be on the team. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I just... I'm going to go with the players that are there right now. Okay. Like maybe in the top six. Yeah, yeah that's a safe. Yeah. I'll go I'll go for, you know what? I, I can't believe this is bold. I'm going to go for a two-goal game from Cole Caulfield. Yeah, okay. Let's let's see this. Let's, like, come on, dude. Yeah, let's, okay. Um, what else can be bold is an, uh, a win. <laughs> um, but maybe, I, maybe the fact that they maybe just show up to the game yeah. is, is bold. Um, but I don't think that'll happen. Um, well, they'll show up. I don't think they're gonna win because <laughs> they played a good game against Colorado. Very Chicago, good game. So, wow. can we just talk about that kill McCargo? Yeah, what the holy hell? cow? Try that on the ODR this week. No, but seriously, like I think a lot of people like underestimate how hard it is to just turn on a dime like that, like yeah. pivot on a dime, and he did it like effortlessly. But why are the numbers blue on their jerseys? On whose jerseys? Colorado. Why are you noticing that? Because they changed their pants, gloves last season. Okay. So remember Colorado used to be burgundy jersey, sure. black pants. Okay. It was black? It was black. Black I helmet, think black that's... gloves. What? No, hold yeah, up. Yeah, Google. Google, yeah. They, it used to be that. And then for some reason, someone decided, well, there's blue in our logo, but there's not blue on our uniform. So they made blue pants and blue gloves, which I didn't like on the home jersey at first. But now, okay, it's there. It happened. On the away jersey, it makes absolutely zero sense because there's no blue anywhere. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Okay, like okay. on the away jersey, it makes no sense. So last year, they had the blue gloves and the blue pants on the away jersey and the home jersey. And then what they decided <laughs> to do this year, they decided to what? But like, is it blue though? Like what? No, no, no. On the away, on the away. Oh, okay. Sorry. On the home, on the home, it's white. Right. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay, now I see it. Now on I the see away, it, on the away, it used to be burgundy. Last year was burgundy. So they had burgundy numbers, blue gloves, blue pants. Okay. Now they have blue gloves, blue pants, and blue numbers on a white jersey. Yeah, I see that now. Does that only bother me? Am Not I going to lie? One? Maybe. Kilmacar scored a beautiful goal, but the first thing I saw is, but why are their numbers blue? <laughs> I love that we're talking about this right now. Because it bothered me all year. I'm like, it... it really? I, I can't... But it is, it is uglier. It's ugly. It is. They right. used to have very nice jerseys. I, obviously, I, I love the, the ones with Colorado across the front. Yeah. That used to be really nice. But obviously, the black made no sense because why is it black? Right. It but, but it just looked more okay. sleek. Okay. Fair enough. Well, all that to say that... He scored a nice goal. He scored a nice goal, but we're going to take we're gonna take some style points away there. 100%. But very nice pivot. <laughs> I wish Kirby Doc fell. That would have been... Did you see the wonderful. way that he was trying to defend it before he did the pivot? <laughs> he had like a leg in the air. Like he was like a flamingo. It was funny. <laughs> And flower, flower got undressed, unfortunately. But I mean, uh, yeah, especially coming from the same side there. I mean, look, I'm no goalie, and I'm not saying that he yeah. played it badly. But it's like crazy how he was able to sell that move yeah. so hard. To Happened the point so where, fast. Yeah. Right? Uh, I still, yeah. So I'll give my bull prediction. We went on a bit of a rant there. Um, I'm gonna say, um, what can I go for? I'm gonna say another, another dangle by David Savard. Remember that nice goal he scored against Tampa? It was very nice. I'm going to say another one, but he scores a goal and he gets an assist. Two-point night from Big Savard. Put him on the power play while we're at it. Yeah. Got nice hands that I guy. like it. I like it, though. So so if if both our pulled predictions come true here, 
I'll buy a Savard jersey. We're, we at least have three oh. goals. Oh, yeah, but Chicago's scoring four. Yeah, probably. They should play McNiven. Shut up. <laughs> um, Shut up for McNiven. Okay, but hold on. Now I'm holding you accountable. You said if David Savard scores a goal, <laughs> you're buying his jersey. No, no, I said if both oh. come true. Okay, well, you guys heard it. You guys heard him say that. If you made it this far, you heard him say that. And I will post it. Okay, so... I will call him out on Twitter Cole if he Cole has to score two. Two. David Savard, Savard has a goal and an assist. A goal and an assist. But it doesn't have to be like... A, like, if he scores a goal, it doesn't have to be the dangle. Like, it just has to be a goal. Yeah. I love how you're scared. I'm... I'm really, like, I shouldn't be this scared. No, you really shouldn't be. But... But it knows? would be hilarious. And if Cole Caulfield scores a hat trick... I'll chip trick, in. I'll chip in. And we'll hang it up on the wall. How I'll about that? In. We'll get it signed. I'll DM him on Instagram. There you go. Or something. I'll if he has answer. it. Probably doesn't even have it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, are we good to end it off here? I think so. I feel it's like been a really talked about a lot. We did, but but again, keep in mind, guys, that we'll be back hopefully every week, if not every week, yeah. every week and a half, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and and hopefully the Habs will get back on the ice. I mean, sooner rather than later. <laughs> that way, that we can dissect some of the some of the play that they've that they've given us. Exactly. And on that note, we thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks a lot, guys.